It is great to have all of you with us today at all of our live churches, our network churches, and those of you in our church online family. Today, we're in part three of a four-part message series called Outlasters. You may say, what in the world is an outlaster? Uh, unfortunately, so many people, they live, and when they die, very little lasts. What we're doing in this series is we're talking about how can we live in such a way that our faith and our values are passed on to the next generation. How can we live in such a way that we will be outlasters? We have a key verse that we've been looking at again and again in week one. Uh, we read it, and I want to read it to you from Psalm 112, uh, portions of this from verse 1 through verse 6. This is what David said. He said, how joyful are those who fear the Lord and delight in obeying his commands. Verse 2, let's all read this together, all of our churches, everybody aloud, read it with me there. Children will be successful everywhere. Let's try this again. I need some more love out of Tennessee. You guys help me out. Everybody there, children will be successful everywhere. Imagine all of our children being successful at what matters most. An entire generation of godly people will be blessed. They themselves will be wealthy. And their good deeds will what? Their good deeds will last forever. What we, we just don't live and then die. We're outlasters. Uh, verse 4b says this, they are generous, compassionate, and righteous. The good news is those who are righteous will be what, everybody? Those who are righteous will be long remembered. We're talking about being outlasters. Uh, verse 2, uh, to me, is really powerful. Their children will be successful everywhere. If we want our children to be successful, uh, wouldn't you agree that it would be wise to define what is success? We want our children to be successful. What is success? I would argue that if you are a follower of Christ, your definition of what success is will probably be distinctly different than what culture says success is. I'll give you my opinion of kind of culture's um, uh, definition of what success is. If you're taking notes, write this down. Culture says success is raising well-rounded, well-educated, and happy kids. We want them to be well-rounded, well-educated, and happy kids. I would argue that we have a higher calling. Um, in fact, to be quite honest with you, I don't want to hire well-rounded staff members. Right? I really don't. I don't want people who are kind of just good at everything. I want someone who's really, really good at a narrow set of gifts. I want to hire exceptional people, not well-rounded. Uh, well-educated is obviously a good goal. Uh, we want them to be educated. But if they're at the top of the class, make a 35 on their ACT, and have no character or integrity, we're not going to call that the biggest win, right? That's a good goal, but it's incomplete. Um, week one, we talked about happiness in our culture today. Um, wouldn't you agree that so many people bow down and worship at the altar of happiness? We just want our kids to be happy. We just want them to be happy. The problem is God didn't say, be happy as I am happy. He said, be holy as I am holy. Happiness should never be the goal. Happiness, joy, contentment, and fulfillment is a byproduct 
of a life lived for the glory of God. If happiness is your goal, you will do the wrong things trying to achieve happiness. If pleasing God is your goal, the byproduct will be fulfillment, contentment, and joy. So, as followers of Christ, we have a higher definition of success. We're not simply trying to raise well-rounded, well-educated, happy kids. I believe as followers of Christ, we have a higher calling. If you're taking notes, here's my definition of what success will be for us. We are called to unleash Christ-centered, biblically-anchored world changers. Mm, that's so good, I'm going to say it again. We're called to unleash Christ-centered, biblically-anchored world changers. Let's all, all of our churches, let's all say that together. What are we called to do, everybody? We are called to unleash Christ-centered, biblically-anchored world changers. Let's try it again. Fort Worth, I need you guys in with me on this. What are we called to do? We're called to unleash Christ-centered, biblically-anchored world changers. In other words, that Christ is going to be the center of their lives, not just Jesus is my Lord and I go to youth group every now and then. No, he is the center of everything. In a world that, based on relativism, where it's almost impossible to find static truth, our children are going to be biblically anchored in the truth of God's word. And because their life is centered around the lordship of Christ, because they are rooted in God's word, they're going to use their gifts to make a difference in this world. They are going to be world changers. Everybody, again, one more time, let's all say it aloud. We are called to unleash what? We're called to unleash Christ-centered, biblically anchored world changers. And a lot of you are going, Oh, I'm tired. That seems like a lot of work. Okay. I'm just trying to pay the bills and keep the kids in shoes, right? Here's what I've noticed. I've noticed this in this message series that people without kids are actually enjoying this series more than people with kids. That's what I've noticed. I was at the movies and I met a, a, a 23-year-old guy and he was like, I love this series. It's the best ever. Change the next generation. I'm like, that's awesome, man. Do you have kids? He goes, no, but I love it. Okay. <laughs> what I'm finding is those who are kind of like older and you know their their kids are older, they're like going, crap. <laughs> we blew this. Oh man, did we ever mess up? Th those who have younger kids are like going, we're called to do what? That let's see, uh, unleash something somewhere. I just want to take a nap. I'm tired. You know, and I totally understand that. Those of you without kids, it's difficult to understand because when you don't have kids, you know, you do what you want. When you have kids, you don't get to do what you want. I mean, just as simple as this is, like when you don't have kids and you want to go somewhere, what do you do? Help me out. You just go somewhere, right? I mean, I want to go somewhere. So here's what you do. You go, I want to go somewhere. And then you go somewhere. It's that easy. Okay, when you have kids, if you need to be somewhere by Thursday at noon at my house, you start getting ready Tuesday evening, you know, because it's going to take some time. I mean, we have six kids. That's a basketball team and a sub. And so you're like, okay, everybody, come on, let's start. And come on, and where's your shoes? And where's your pants? You can't go again without pants. And did you take a shower today? 
Of course you didn't. Did you take a shower this week? You know, where's the missing kid? We've got five. Who's missing? And my problem is I've got a weak whistler. A weak whistler. Some of you dads, you can do like the two-fingered peace symbol whistle thing, you know, and, and like I, the guy down the street, he does this half mile down. I come running when he whistles like that. It's so loud. I can't do that. We're, we got five kids. We're missing one. That's all I can do. And I mean, I'm, it's a significant parental handicap that I have not been able to overcome. And so those of you with kids, you hear this, you're going, I'm just trying to make things work and survive. And you're telling me, unleash biblically anchored, Christ-centered something. I can't even remember what world, you know. Thing. How am I going to do that? I want to make it so simple. And there's often power in simplicity. And I want to show you something I believe every single one of you can do. I want to talk about managing exposure. We're going to think strategically about what we want to expose the next generation to. Why? Because what we expose them to helps determine who they become. It's a principle. What we expose them to helps determine who they become. If we expose them to sports, they're likely to love sports. If we expose them to the arts, they're more likely to fall in love with the arts. If we expose them to good education, they're more likely to become better educated. What we expose them to helps determine who they become. Proverbs says this, if you walk with the wise, what do you become? You become wise. Uh, But a companion of fools does what? Suffers harm. In other words, if we expose them to the right friends, they're likely to be better off. If we expose them to the wrong friends, they're likely to get into a lot of trouble. What we expose them to helps determine who they become. So we have to acknowledge that just in the natural course of things, our children and the next generation will often be exposed to the wrong influences. They're going to be exposed to bad attitudes. They're going to be exposed to an over-sexualized society. They're going to be exposed to prejudices and bullying and materialism, and the list can go on and on. So how do we help them to fall in love with God and serve Christ faithfully? Okay, we can't force them. We can't be like, you know, do-do-do, you're going to love Jesus. You know, we can't be like, if you don't love Jesus, I'm going to send you on a mission trip. You know, we can't do that kind of thing. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to expose them. We can't force them to love God, but we can expose them to experiences that will increase the likelihood that they would fall in love with Jesus. Think about this. We can expose them to experiences that will increase the likelihood of spiritual growth. We cannot force anyone to love God, but what we expose them to helps determine who they become. So, as parents and as the church, we're going to expose the next generation to those things that will help create a hunger for spiritual growth. And I want to keep it really, really simple. This is something that all of us can do. If you're taking notes, we're going to look at three things to expose them to. The first thing is we're going to expose them to the joy of knowing God personally. We're going to expose them to the joy of knowing God personally. Personally, In fact, Jesus said in John 17, he, he said this. He said, and this is eternal life, that they may know God. This is eternal life, that they may know God, a relationship with God. 
The problem, I believe, is there's often a disconnect from one generation of faith to the next when the first generation basically reduces Christianity down to a set of rules. Don't do this, don't do this, do this, don't drink, don't smoke, don't chew, don't run with girls who do. You know, do all these things and then you're a Christian. And so the younger generation isn't rejecting Christ as much as they are rejecting hypocrisy. There are those who say, do these rules, and they don't always live up to it. Therefore, I reject Christianity. They're not rejecting Christ, but they're rejecting hypocrisy and rules forced upon them. What we want to do is we want to help them have a relationship with Jesus. Rules without relationship equals rebellion. We want them to have a relationship. So one of my mentors said to me something that was very helpful. He said, bring God into the blessings of conversation over and again. For example, whenever you experience something good, give God credit for it. And just say again and again, and I've said this so many times, um, you could not even count. Look at the way the Lord has blessed us. Look at how God has blessed our family. Early in life, when all of our Christmas presents were from garage sales. Look at the way the Lord has blessed us, now that we have more. Look at how God has blessed us when we have all of our friends over and, and we have pizza enough for everybody. Wow, look at how God has blessed our family when we go through a difficult time. Wow, look at how God has carried us through this difficult time. Look at how God has comforted us. Can, can't you sense how God's goodness is with us? We bring God into the context of everyday conversations. Look at how God has blessed us. Expose them to the joy of knowing God personally. So if they're gonna know God personally, then for me, a, a relationship always has a conversation. We want them to get to know God through his word and experience his heart in prayer. We want them to get to know God through his word and experience God's heart through prayer. We'll start with prayer because I think for so many families, you know, the thought of even praying regularly with their children is incredibly intimidating. So let me tell you what we don't do and what we do do in prayer in my home. We pray all the time, but there's no like Tuesday evening, seven o'clock prayer session. We just pray on kind of an as needed basis. When someone stubs their toe, we pray. When someone gets their feelings hurt, we pray. When someone has a headache, we pray. When someone is sick, we pray. When a siren goes by the house, we pray. When there's a world tragedy, we pray. When we get a text that someone else is in need, we pray. And prayer is just an ongoing part of our lives. Now, there was a season where we did have prayer meetings, but they were spontaneous, and I wanted to make them fun. So we called them popcorn prayer nights. And what we do is we pop popcorn, and the rule was you gotta eat popcorn while you're praying. That was just the rule because my kids love popcorn, and I wanted them to associate prayer time with something that's fun. Don't for a second imagine this like powerful, clean, perfect prayer meeting where you're visualizing my four-year-old interceding on behalf of world leaders, okay? It's not what it was like. It's exactly like what it would be like at your house. You know, we're, we're praying, eating popcorn, and someone says, his feet stink! <laughs> She's touching me! He's peeking! That was always the funniest one to me because someone always peeks during prayer. But then there was the peeker and there was the peeker seeker who would find the peeker. Then I say, you're peeking, you're a prayer peeking hypocrite is what you are. Because if you hadn't been peeking, you wouldn't have seen the peeker. But there's the peeker seeker and the peeker. And so anyway, that's the way it is in our prayer time. But what happens is it gives some, 
some hunger to prayer. And before long, my kids actually called their own prayer meeting. When I said no more pets and they wanted a dog, they went above me and, and said they called a prayer meeting. And they prayed for a dog, most passionate prayer I've ever seen. And God is my witness. We live out in kind of the middle of nowhere. The very next day, a puppy wanders up to our door. A puppy, cute puppy, wanders up to our door. And what do my kids say? Dad, look at how the Lord has blessed us. Yeah. And when God answers a prayer like that, guess what? Kids pray. They have their own faith. It's not that they've just seen us pray, but they've seen God answer their prayers, and they're now getting the joy of knowing God personally. What about his word? Let me tell you this. It's crazy. Uh, there's eight people in our family, and all eight read God's word every day, all eight of us. Here's the thing. You're like, well, it's because you're a pastor's family, you made a rule. What you need to understand is we never made a rule. We never even made a suggestion. Ever. There's no rule. Everybody reads the Bible every day. It's just culturally, that's the way it is in my home. Because I've always done it. And Amy's always done it. And so Katie, my firstborn, saw mom and dad doing it. So she did it. Mandy saw Katie do it. So Mandy did it. Anna saw Katie and Mandy do it. So Anna did it. Sam saw Katie, Mandy, and Anna do it. So Sam did it. Same with Stephen and same with Joy. It has never once been a requirement nor even a suggestion. It's just what we do in our home. Therefore, it's what we do. And here's the power. When an eight-year-old or, or, or a nine-year-old is reading the Bible and they're going through something and God's word speaks to them specifically in what they're going through, oh my gosh, guess what you have? You have a first-generation faith in Christ and you've got someone who wants to pray and wants to know God through his word you can expose them to those things. I want them to look at me and to look at Amy and say, mom and dad aren't perfect, but man, I've seen them seek God. And I've seen God correct them, and I've seen God convict them, I've seen God comfort them, I've seen God guide them, I've seen them depend on God and God carry them. I've seen the goodness of God in their lives. I want what they have. I wanna expose them to the joy of knowing God personally. You can do this. The second thing, man, is even easier than the first. If you're taking notes, the first thing is we're gonna expose them to the joy of knowing God personally. The second thing, this is so easy, every single one of you can do this. We're gonna expose them, number two, to the presence and power of God in his church. Very simple. We're gonna expose them to the presence and power of God in his church. Here's the deal. You're in church today, and if you have a heart to hear from God, you're going to hear from God. He's going to speak to you through a worship song. He's going to minister to you something I say. He's going to take something I say and do this to it, and by the time it gets to you, it's going to be just what you need. And when you do this consistently with your family and you discuss it, suddenly you're grounded in God's word, worshiping together every single week in God's presence, hearing from him in his Church, now, here's a question that's never asked in my home. I don't think I've ever heard this question asked one time in the history of our family. No one has ever said, you think we should go to church this weekend? No, they don't ask that. And it's not because I'm a pastor. And it's not because they have to. It's because my kids want to go to church. 
So much so, sometimes I don't even want to go. I want to go out of town on vacation. Like, we can't miss our youth group. They want to go because it's not just some portion of their life. Their lives revolve around the church. In fact, they don't even see it as going to church. They see themselves as the church. It's something they would never, ever want to miss. And here's the thing. That's just not normal, okay? Normally, it's, hey, you want to go to church this weekend? Uh, well, we're kind of tired this week. Let's sleep in. Uh, you know, it's going to be a beautiful day. Let's enjoy the day. Oh, it's kind of rainy out. I don't want to go to church today. Uh, we got a soccer tournament this weekend. We're kind of going, oh, it's Mother's Day weekend. You know, we got to, got to see, see too much. Oh, uh, we stayed up late watching the game last night, so let's just sleep in. On, on and on and on, okay? Now, think about it. You just, I'm not trying to be harsh, but you're sending a message because there are so many things that are not optional in your life. You know, hey, kid, you want to go to school today? You feel like going to school? No, get your butt up. You're going to school, right? It's not optional. You want to go to work today? Well, if you want to eat, you're going to go to work today. You know, I, at my home, we never say, you want to go to dance this week? Because as much as we pay for dance, you're going to be a dancer and fool, you know. <laughs> Expect a scholarship out of that stuff or something, you know. It's not, it's not optional, okay? Want to go to church? You feel like going to church? Feel like going to church? It's one of the few things you make optional in your family's life. And what you need to understand is if you often overrule church for something else, but you never overrule something else for the worship of God, you are sending a very clear message of what is most important to you. Their children will be successful everywhere. Think about this, whose children? Not, not mine, not yours, but theirs, ours. You see, there's something powerful when we together care about one another's children and we invest in each other's children. See, that's the power of the church. I deeply care about your children. And many of you, man, you deeply care about my children. And I, I just wanna say, to those of you who've served in Life Kids in Switch, you have made a significant difference in the spiritual development of my children. I am eternally grateful that you took your time to pour into my kids spiritually. My kids are better today because of you. You made a difference. You cared about my kids. And I want you to know, we care, my family, we care about your kids. Amy, on top of, she's busy like all you other ladies, on top of home educating our kids, on top of um, serving at the church in the women's ministry, on top of running a women's ministry home, on top of taking care of me. Before our life group on Wednesday, she opens up God's word for an hour and a half with 12 junior high girls. Not a single one of my daughters are in that group. They're just 12 of your daughters that she cares about as the church. She is discipling personally for an hour and a half in God's word, 12 um, very passionate young junior high girls because she, that's, what we, that's what we do in the church. It's the presence and power of God in his church. One of my great blessings is um, besides my two biological sons, there are two other boys that call me dad and they are not my biological sons but one of their dads passed away and another one went um, in a different direction. And so Amy and I had the privilege of caring for the widows, of helping these women through tragedies in their lives. And these two little boys didn't have a father figure. And so in a season when they needed one, I got to be a father figure. I got to be dad to boys that are not my own. And I did not do that because I'm Pastor Craig. I did that because I'm a follower of Christ, and that's what we do in the church. 
That's what we do as the church. You expose them to the presence and the power of God in the church, and you see God working, and you forgive people who hurt you, and you come back, 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 and and we're growing spiritually together. And there, our children will be blessed. If you do not make this a priority, I'm telling you, culture is so strong, you have almost no chance in raising and unleashing biblically anchored, Christ-centered world changers. What we expose them to helps determine who they become. Expose them to the joy of knowing God personally. Expose them to the presence and the power of God in his church. And the third thing, if you're taking notes, is this. We're going to expose them to the thrill of being used by God. We're going to expose them to the thrill of making a difference for the glory of God. Think about it. They're going to be exposed to the thrill of scoring a goal or, or a home run, right? They'll be exposed to, to acing their spelling exam. That They'll be exposed to the, the thrill of playing first chair flute. I also want them to be exposed in using what is inside of them to, to, to make an eternal difference, the buzz, the thrill of being used by God. In fact, we're so serious about this at Life Church. When a child hits the sixth grade, we no longer just allow them to serve. Instead, we encourage them to lead. There's a difference. We don't just allow them to serve. We encourage them to lead. Sixth grader, we want you to lead a Bible study for younger children. We want you to lead a worship experience. We want you to help lead in worship. Because suddenly, when they are leading and contributing and making a difference, it lights a fire within them that they can make an eternal difference in this world. There's no greater buzz or thrill than being used by God. Expose them to the thrill of being used for the glory of God. In fact, I want to brag on some of our Christ-centered, biblically-anchored world changers in our church. I'll just tell you about a few different kids from different Life Church uh, campuses. Uh, let me start with Parker, who's three years of age from our Stillwater, Oklahoma campus. She's three years old. Um, she is so in love with God. She went to her preschool um, class at, at school, not church, at school, and she just started having church services. That's what she did. She started leading them in songs the best she could, and then she'd preach her heart out, three years of age. She, and and it, was, it was impacting students. Well, at church, they said, invite everybody you can to Easter. So here's Parker going to the little cubby holes, putting her personal invitations to invite all of her friends to church at the age of three. I love that. But let me tell you about um, Harrison. He's from Broken Arrow, Oklahoma. Um, this kid's a star baseball player. He started when he was a freshman. He's uh, 15 or 16 now. Um, they say he'll play Division I ball. He's so talented. Uh, he's such a leader in baseball that he recognized he could use that platform to impact his teammates for Christ. So one by one, he developed relationships. And over time, he has single-handedly brought 15 of his teammates to our student ministry. The majority of them have decided to follow Christ, and now their parents are getting engaged in the church because their kids are passionate about something. We're talking about a high school ball player completely transforming his whole baseball team because he has a passion to make a difference for Christ. Let let me show you Austin. This kid is so cool. He's seven years of age. He's from our southern Florida campus, Wellington, Florida. 
He went to a class at church and he learned what he was good at. Let me read you a portion of the letter that he wrote. This is really, really cool. He says, my name is Austin Russell. Recently, I completed a challenge card for my church, LifeChurch.tv, which helped me discover my talents. I think I'm a good rainbow loom bracelet maker. I love to make bracelets and sell them to my friends. Do not miss the power of this. When you discover at an early age that you are gifted by God at rainbow loom bracelet making, there is no stopping what you can do to make a difference. And so here's a seven-year-old who realizes he is good at this. And when one of his friend's mom uh, got diagnosed with a genetic heart problem and was unable to pay all the medical bills, seven-year-old Austin sold $200 worth of bracelets to donate it to her to help pay her medical bills. I'm telling you, man, there's something special about seeing a child that is ignited with passion to make a difference in this world. This next girl is a star. Angelina, she's um, eight years of age, and she earned a million points in Connect. Now, I don't know if you know what you have to do for that. That's a lot of Bible verse memorizing, Bible bringing, kid inviting, consistent attending at church. And evidently, when you earn a million points, you get a $100 gift card, which is actually kind of cheap, I think, which reflects my nature as a leader of this church. (laughs) But anyway, that's that's what it is. And so uh, when she earned her points, it was the same time where um, tornadoes really ravaged the part of the country where I live. And so she asked um, what she could do with her money, and she found a family from our church that lost everything. And so she took her $100 gift card and and went and spent it all on supplies to help this family um, who was hit by the tornado. Then in 10 months, which is unheard of, she earned another million points. This chick's on fire, okay? She got her another $100. This time she asked, um, what, what are one of our local partners, uh, mission partners that we work with? Because every Life Church location has mission partners that we serve the community with. And she found out about this Yukon special needs group and realized that all these um, children were gonna go to their first prom but didn't have the ability to get flowers. So she donated her money to give them flowers and helped these um, students go to their first prom with flowers. What you've got here, here is the thrill of being used by God to make a difference. So anytime your child encourages someone, hey, do you realize God just used you to encourage? They listened to someone and it made a difference. Hey, do you realize God just used you when you were listening? You made a difference in their life and you're exposing them to the thrill of being used by God. Their children will be successful everywhere. Culture says success is raising well-rounded, well-educated, happy kids. But we as Christ followers are called to something different something better. We're going to unleash, because we're not so concerned about today's happiness, but tomorrow's readiness. We're going to unleash Christ-centered, biblically anchored, world changers. How are we going to do that? Well, we can't control who they become, but we can to some degree expose, control what we expose them to. What we expose them to helps determine who they become. Therefore, we're going to expose them to the right experiences that will help encourage a hunger and a desire to know Christ. What are we going to expose them to? We're going to expose them to the joy of knowing God personally. We're going to expose them to the presence and power of God in and through his church. And we're going to expose them to the thrill of being used by God to make a difference in this world. And then our children will be successful because we have to understand 
They are not the church of tomorrow. Well, they're the church of the future. They are not the church of tomorrow. They are the church of today. And we must release them, empower them to discover their gifts and make a difference in this world, believing they will do even more for the glory of God than we have ever done. Why? Because we are outlasters. Our good deeds will last forever. The righteous will be long remembered. Father, we pray that by the power of your spirit, you would encourage our church to live a life that would outlast us. All of our churches, as you take a moment to pray and reflect, I don't care if you're 18 or if you're 88, if you have kids, if you're not even sure you like kids, but you recognize God is stirring something within you. As the church, we are called to impart first-generation faith to the next generation, and you recognize it, you believe it, you want to embrace it, and you want to become it. You want to be an outlaster. If that's you, would you lift up your hands right now? Just all of our different churches together, lift up your hands and say yes. Father, thank you so much for a church full of people who see the calling you've put on us. God, give us a desire. Empower us as parents. And God, I pray for any parents that might feel really discouraged and like this is, there's too much and too, we're too far gone. God, I thank you that you are always a God of second chances. Your grace is beyond what we could imagine. And God, I pray very simply that you would help us to, to, to strategically expose the next generation to the things that would help create a spiritual hunger. God, may we have such a close relationship with you that those around us want what we have. Expose them to the joy of knowing Christ personally. God, I pray that the corporate worship of you would be a priority to us, that we would expose them to the presence and the power of God in the church. And God, I pray that we would see opportunities to highlight how you are using them, how you can use them to expose them to the thrill of being used by you, God, to make an eternal difference. God, I, I pray that our church would be so full of people wanting to serve and life, kids, and switch that there would be a waiting list because we love to impart truth to the next generation, make us outlasters. As you keep praying today at all of our different churches, some of you right now, you're acutely aware of the fact that you do not have a personal relationship with God. Some of you, you might believe in him as I did growing up and going to church. I went to church and I believed in him, but I did not know him. And you recognize that right now. Others of you, you're not really a church person, but something today is drawing you toward God. Let me tell you what that is. That is his Holy Spirit because he loves you and you are not here by accident. You are here because he wanted you here. Something is drawing you toward himself. And you may think, but I'm not quite good enough and I need to work on my life first and all this kind of stuff. And you're about to experience the glorious goodness of God that he is so good. He did something for us that we couldn't earn and didn't deserve. He sent his son, Jesus, who was without sin to become sin for us on the cross to die and to be raised again so that anyone who calls on him would be saved, forgiven, transformed, and made new. There are those of you, you are here today, not to know about him, but to call on him and to know him, to be forgiven, to be transformed, and to be made new. And you know it. You know that's why you're here. And all of our churches, those of you who would say, yes, I want to know him. I turn from my sins. I turn toward him. I call on him. Make me new. Today, by faith, I give my life to you, God, through Jesus. 
I give my life to you. That's your prayer. Lift your hands high right now. All over the place, lift them and say, yes, that's my prayer. I surrender to you. Back here in the back section, over here in the middle, others of you who say, yes, I surrender to him. Lift up your hands and say, I give my life to Christ. Right back over here, others of you today, right here in this middle section, right here, yes, right over here, and in this section as well. Church online, you click right below me. All the way back here toward the back, right back over here in this section as well. Say, yes, I surrender to him. I trust you, Jesus. Others of you say, that's my prayer today. I give my life completely to you. Would you pray with those around you? Just pray aloud. Pray, Heavenly Father, Today I give you my life and trust Jesus to be my savior. I am a sinner and ask for your forgiveness. Holy Spirit, fill me so I could know God, so I could serve him, so I could follow him. My life is not my own. Today I give it to you. Thank you for new life. Now you have mine. In Jesus' name I pray. Life Church, would you go crazy? Would you worship big? Would you welcome those born into God's family today?